You're listening to Take It to the Wall, and I'm your host, Michelle Lockery. Today in the studio, I'm very excited to announce that we have a very special guest. The guest is master artist Roy Henry Vickers. Now, this is, this is very exciting to me because I have followed Roy's work for a very long time. And I can tell you of a time when I was in Tofino on a holiday that I went to his gallery and I spent many hours sitting there admiring his work and wondering how I would ever get to speak to an artist of his caliber. And as life has a funny way of working out, he's my special guest today, having a digital coffee with me. It was, um, it was profound to talk to him and to, to see how our paths have entwined with working with youth and sort of how our, our passion for art comes from our ancestors and the stories that he tells. They just resonate with me like the ancients are speaking, and I'll let you listen to what he has to say. But he is one of Canada's most celebrated artists. I mean, his prints and paintings are all over the world, in galleries all over the world, and he has the most beautiful gallery in BC, and I mean, he's, his awards speak for themselves. But the man and the artist speak the loudest to me because it was not that long ago that I had a conversation with my grandson, and, and he was telling me how he had been told by a teacher that he shouldn't draw in math class. And I had thought, you know, arts have been brought into the school and have we not realized, you know, that the arts are in everything. It is how we learn and how we grow and evolve. And Roy shares a similar um, story as my grandson today. So it's very interesting for me to, to be looking at my grandson and to hear Roy's strong words about how that must change. And perhaps in the time of COVID, the arts are really coming into what it means to be an artist and a teacher and to see young people who have a vision for their future that we don't know about. We can only follow that vision. So I'm really excited um, to share what Roy had to say because it's such importance in his work, but in what he has to say. And I believe that if we listen to the artist's and the healers and the teachers, we can get through these hard times. My grandson said to me, Grandma, we will outsmart COVID because COVID doesn't have a brain, and we do. And us artists can create something so that we can, you know, we can win over this battle of COVID. And art, Grandma, will make your head okay through this. So please pour yourself a coffee and spend some time with Roy and myself as we watch the river that flows from his property and the words that are like ancient rain falling on your soul as he explains what art means to him in the time of COVID. As I had digital coffee with Roy, I asked him, how, do, how does society put value on art today? And, and what does that mean to him? And that's what I used to say as a young artist. Well, I don't know. I don't know what price to put on it. To me, there's whatever the price is doesn't indicate what the value of the art is because it's priceless. And so that's like that's our 
that's what we're giving to the world is this pricelessness and slowly the world's coming to understand it and it takes something like a global disaster to stop people in their tracks and say well just wait a sec here maybe i better take another look at what's important in life yeah that's, yeah I thought COVID was a bit of a blessing. When I say that, some people look at me like, mm, Michelle, you're crazy showing again. I go, I think that the world was spinning so fast that if something didn't stop it, I felt we were all going to get thrown off anyway. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. David Suzuki said one day, you know, it's like we're all on this big freaking bus and we're, we're heading towards a brick wall or a cliff and everybody's arguing about where they're going to sit on the goddamn bus and they don't realize what's going to happen yeah i love that yeah. <laughs> it's it's so true right and it's like i've had lots of meetings lately with government and just trying to say like you know if you could come together and understand that we all still need to be educated like we all have these skills let's come together as a council not as a government like and, yeah. and right and that's what my Indigenous Blue Project is about, saying we are all Indigenous to this planet. We need to start looking in that direction. But, you know, those empires are all still being challenged. And Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what have you always, yeah. as a child, so take me back to when you were a child. When did you first realize you were an artist? Never, I never thought of myself as an artist, even though I was always drawing. Well, I've got a really, I've got a, a, a one of my favorite stories that I tell. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was six years old, seven years old, I was in grade two. Uh, my teacher was a, I, I didn't realize she was a young lady, probably in her twenties, by the name of Miss Buckle. And Miss Buckle used to come to my desk and take my drawings away from me and say, Roy, you are supposed to be doing uh, arithmetic. And after I got caught a number of times, I would have to go and write on the blackboard, I will not draw in math class. And I had to write it a hundred times. So literally hundreds of times I had to write on the blackboard, I will not draw in math class. And another writing would be, I will not draw in English class. No way. (laughs) And she would take the drawings away. Well, uh, a number of years ago in my gallery in Tofino, this beautiful lady walks up to me and introduces herself as Dr. Marlene Hunter. And she said, I know that name doesn't mean anything to you, but you knew me as Miss Buckle. Oh, my goodness. What did you say to her? (laughs) As your career began to grow and I could see who you were and what was happening in the world and how many people were paying attention to you, I thought, I've got to find those drawings of Roy's that I took away in grade two. And I said, <laughs> oh, Miss Buckle, I mean, Dr. Hunter, if you could do that, you could have anything in this gallery. I would trade you for just one of those drawings. 
and I never heard from her again. She went away, and I guess she never found them. Or she did, and she realized how valuable they were. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Miss Buckle, if you're out there, we need those paintings because they. I mean, I, I, as you're talking, I'm picturing this beautiful painting of your hand writing those lines. Do you know how powerful that is? I have, I have four grand boys, and one granddaughter, and they're all artistic. But one of them just said to me the other day. Grandma, when I'm in class, I get told I'm too. I talk too much, and I want to doodle on my on my book. But my teacher said I can't doodle. I said, but if you doodle, then you can listen. Grandma, you need to talk to my teacher. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! So here we are again. We're still sitting on your patio drinking coffee. I love this because that is the most important, powerful thing. Is when did that happen? Where's that disconnect? You're telling me a story of you in grade two. I can remember when I first discovered I was an artist. I know people never believe this. And I go, I was a very shy child. I was, I now realize I must have had sensory disorder or something, but I would get really, really um, anxious. And I was at a, 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 some kind of tea event with my Scottish grandmother. And, you know, you got to be dressed up with the gloves and all that. And I'm nervous. And they handed me a coloring sheet of a pumpkin. And I hated to color. And I scrubbled all over the pumpkin, like with big, like whatever. And this lady comes and holds it up and she says, oh, look at how creative this little girl is. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't have to color in the lines. Yeah. And it was, it was pivotal to me because I felt safe in being able to do that. And I mean, who, I mean, who starts painting on giant walls for a living, right? you got to be a bit of a special soul. I think I was a bit of a pioneer. But my mom would say I was more of a pain in the ass because I painted on anything, right? But those are pivotal times. Like, you know, I, I think that that is such an important story. I, I see this piece of art that you need to create because do you know how many people you would help with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we can share this story. And I think that is... And you know, it's really interesting because your paintings are, the lines are perfect. Like, um, come on, like, really, how do you get them so perfect? Because you're, it's like, it's like true arrow, man. Yours are like. Well, um, my, I, I don't paint very often anymore. So I create limited edition silk screen prints, right? Yeah. So when I, when I'm drawing, I'm actually sitting at a 30 inch, uh, computer screen with a with a Mac computer, and I'm drawing with a mouse. If their lines are still true, I I have the yeah. same products. I I you know what? I'm sitting in front of all of that. I can't. I am much truer with a paintbrush than I am on the computer. So for me, people say to me, "How do you?" I said, "I don't know." Not so much now that I'm. You know, there's definitely some arthritis in my hands, and definitely a little bit. More, but I have no fine motor skills. None. Uh, yeah. None. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, to get back to your question about when I first realized that I was an artist, that didn't happen until I was in grade 12 for the second time. <laughs> and what happened then? <laughs> it was Mr. West. Okay. Mr. Mr. West said, so Roy, uh, you realize that you you are a very unique person in this school, right? I said, yeah, well, 
yeah, I've come across discrimination. So, yeah, I know that I'm different from a lot of the other kids. And he said, well, everybody's different. Everybody's unique. There is nobody like any one of these people in your class. However, you are connected to something that none of these other kids are. And that is an ancestry that comes from the land in this province of British Columbia. And if you can learn who you are and then create your art from that place of uniqueness, you will be doing something nobody else can do. And wow. it just that 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 one teaching was more valuable than anything he taught me in all of my art classes. And I always got an A plus in art <laughs> because I always loved it. So that's what set me on the road. And that's what helped me to realize that, yes, I do. I do have a little bit of talent. And if I work hard with it, then I'll, I'll be able to do things. And so that was it. And I grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home and studied the scriptures. And <clears throat> I always remember the parable of the talents where this, <clears throat> the master gave the, these people in his house, uh, a talent, which was money in those days. And he gave this, this young man a talent and he gave this woman a talent and he came back to them a year later and the young man dug up his talent and showed him that he still had it and the woman opened a bag full of talents and she said master i worked really hard with the talent you gave me and now i have so many that's an amazing yeah. story i isn't love that, that isn't that incredible and i thought to myself okay there are a lot of people who have much more talent than you do. That is, that's the way life is. It, and it doesn't matter. What matters is that you work with what you have. And you do your best with what you have. And that's what I've always done. That's so true. Um, all the kids, you know, in all of my projects, they would come. My dad would always say to me, you have your hands. So and he would say the same thing and he would always teach me in your hands if you want to keep and my dad had an addiction problem so he would really push this on us he'd say get your hands working with the talent that you have and your brain will be still and work hard and yeah. my whole life I have always heard that and my dad has passed and that I still no matter what I teach my kids and my grandchildren do the work yeah. do the work and honor what the creator gave you because you can never dishonor that. And the kids that would come to the wall that would want to be hired, especially in the merit area, they would just want to, you know, and I'd say, hey, number one, you come to the wall clean. Number two, when you get on that wall, you honor what we're doing on this wall and you never disrespect that, you know. And, and that's those are, I think, such a simple lesson that people don't think maybe, you know, they know we're artists. But that teaching is... Um, it's such a basic thing, hey, in some ways that comes from our ancestors. Yeah. Do you think, how, 
I think that's another disconnect maybe that our, why our, our youth are struggling right now. It is, there is a massive disconnect. So we're in how many generations now? Uh, I can't remember how many years a generation is. I think it's 20. Yeah. Okay. So my, my, so I'm 70. So I'm, I've lived almost four generations. My grandmother was the first uh, of our people to be taken away and put into residential schools. So that was my father's mother. Okay. So, so what happened to her was she was brainwashed from the age of six and she grew up to be a devout Christian quoting the Bible. And when I would ask her uh, to sing me a song, she would say, well, what song? I said, I say, well, you're, you're a, but what a killer whale so could you send me one of your killer whale songs and she'd look at me and she'd say i can sing you all kinds of songs from the church but i will not sing you any of those songs really and I, I just i just stood there and looked at her and i thought what what the hell yeah and like yet, and yet her husband, my grandfather, who was never put into residential school, he was, he never swore. I never saw him lose his temper. And I hung with him more than, more than I did with my dad on the boat in tense situations and lots of places. And he was always cool and kind and happy and he always had a joke he always had a big smile and i when i see me and i see my resemblance to my dad i actually see my resemblance to my dad's dad not only in in my facial structure but in my attitude to life and the fun that i have so i swear more than he ever did but to me what the point of this is there was one uh, ancestor who was brainwashed by the government mm -hmm. and the church, and she was made to be somebody she is not. And she was never, ever happy. Not see her. Well, once I made a drum, I showed it to her, and she took the drum and didn't even think. She just started singing. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and then my grandpa sang with her in our Tsimshian language. And when they were finished, uh, my granny said that was our love song. We sang that together when we first got together. And that was the only time I ever heard her sing. So what I realized from that is, well, two things. One other thing that just slips in here is there's an elder who was moved by art, by creation of a drum and a design on the drum. And it took her back to her youthful days when she was still in touch with the child that she grew up as or was born as. And there, singing with her, was a man who was never 
brainwashed by the government and the church. That's so, so beautiful. Thank to, you to for sharing. That's, that's the point behind it all is that here we are generations later and we have children walking on the land of their ancestors who don't know a thing about their ancestors or how they lived or the beautiful land that they live on or this beautiful river, Xien. They don't even know that the name Xien means people of the juice from the clouds is how the Xien is, is interpreted. Yeah. So the river, is, all of the people born on this river and who live on this river are Git, which is people, Xien, people of this river. And there are so many young people who don't even know that. There are so many grandparents who have forgotten that. So that's the struggle. And that's why I'm an artist today, because discrimination put me into this place of understanding that this is an ignorant thing. How can we, how can we have something or even use the term racism when there's only one race? Yeah. And I, how can we, how did this happen? Well, it happened with supposedly educated colonizers who began teaching that there are different races in the world and that the white race is the supreme race. Oh, well, what a crock. What a crock that is. Well, so when I learned that that's not true, because I have this other ancestry that, that has, is deep in my, my blood, then I realized what my mom taught, who was white, who she said, to whom much is given, much is required. So you are responsible for the knowledge you carry. So what is my responsibility if, if I know that racism is false? My responsibility is to begin teaching it and showing it in whatever way I can. So as an elder today, I'm not in old folks' home yet. I probably never will be. You never will be. You'll always be on that patio by that river. <laughs> <laughs> but it's my responsibility to continue to to get this message out there. And that's why we're sitting here talking to each other. Thank you for that, because that story is beautiful, because I, it's so interesting, because my mom, same thing, I was raised in a very Christian my Ukrainian grandparents, I would go to the house and there would be all the, the the miners would come and I picture and I can see them all playing the violin and the mandolin and they'd sing. Yeah. And my grandfather started the union so that he could feed the the immigrants that were starving, right? They had no, and it was just terrible, right? But they couldn't sing. I, I remember, why don't I know Ukrainian? Why don't, you know, I could I can hear the music. But they, the same, wouldn't talk about their culture because I didn't know they had been interned. Like, it took, it was only years ago that I found out that my family were all in the internment camps in Canada. My grandfather felt shame, so he couldn't tell us the stories. And, you know, it not, none of it ever made sense other than the hard life. And you would try and say, hey, you know, Guido, what was this? And you'd get a whack, right? Because they didn't want to talk about it. I now understand that, but I mean, I feel disconnected because I would give anything to know what he knew from the lands yeah. that they come. Like, I mean, I, I, I talked to my mom and I can make pierogies and I, you know, I, I made the other day, I made a beaten carrot cabbage juice drink because I love it. love it. Right. And I just, but I don't know why. 
And then my mom says, well, don't you know that cabbage water is what stops bacteria from growing? And I'm like, right. So the ancestors talk, even though you, you know, and my daughter's very much into healing. And so it, the lessons from our elders squeak through our veins is what I want to say. And, and I, I same thing, right. And it, it's so hard because my mom, I, I can talk about scripture. I can tell you my Baba's stories and she had more Bibles and she used to scare me with the holy wrath. And I'm like, but we come from the land. You lived in a grass hut in Saskatchewan and gave birth to twins. Why did you keep throwing the Bible at me, which just gave me fear? So I, it's that same effect on the immigrant people that came here, that they're not connected to their elders. Yet same thing, you know what? I look at my son and he is the spinning image of my father, second generation. And I'm looking going, my dad is gone, but my son fishing in the boat of the land. Like it's so amazing to know that that connection is there. If we just yeah. look right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, and it's hard because I, I'm the sunflowers also for me represent that I can give my Gita with pride back, you know, same thing, invited to Canada. The crown says, come on over. You've got all these mad skills. Give us some money for the land. When you get here, we'll stick you in a prison and take your spirit away and build all of Parks Canada. And yeah, like that, that's going to be great for our, your, and like, and that's what my family lives. Yet I look white. So when I say that, people look at me going, what are you talking about? Yeah. Right? So all of those stories are, it's sort of weirdly similar, isn't it? Yeah. We're all the same, but different. And the more we share our stories, the more we realize that we are all one, that we are all one family. I like that because I, I, I just feel such an attuned to that. It, it's an interesting thing. The sunflower was, is an indigenous plant to North America. Yeah. Peter the Great, when he came here, supposedly the story goes, is that he took the sunflower and took it to Russia and Ukraine and rebuilt the economy because the rape seeds had failed and he rebuilt that economy. So that sunflower, I mean, it has just, you know, Ukraine, they were starving, Russia, and that was that. And I go, isn't it funny that we planted over a million sunflowers, that if we could look at that, sunflowers can create an economy that can help us. And it's in that return, right? Yeah. I just go, and how blessed am I because I painted a sunflower on the internment mural I did in honor of my grandparents and I, I can hear my cousin he plays he's a very quite well-known musician out of White Rock his name is Michael Seneshin and he plays the music from the kitchen table that I can remember and he plays from the ages and I see when he plays his toe taps exactly like my grandfather's <laughs> Yep, his blood's in his veins, ancestor's blood. You know, and that's such an important, you know, maybe that's the word. It's the ancestral council that we have to somehow bring together that maybe it's in conversations like you and I are having right now. Because yep. I hear my dad. I am sitting with you on the patio. I can feel nothing like a good cup of coffee. The river, the rocks, the smell of the river. Yeah, uh, my dad flowing by. Right? My dad 
we have a cabin in the um, East Kootenays between Sparwood and Alfred. Beautiful lake, freshwater salmon. Like it's just gorgeous. Oh my God, like little tiny ones, you know, those kokanee little baby, Yeah. you know, right next. Oh, and you know, my dad, I have my dad's journals where he wrote when him and my grandfather first came, like, came across the lake and there hadn't been cabins there. And I have tons of these journals when they said, this was the fish. My grandfather describes finding that and being with a man named Chief Michelle and how they, my dad was just a keeper of the land. It was what he did. And I was named after that chief, um, which is a really funny story. But I, th- my dad would say, you can, he'd call me blue eyes. He'd say, blue eyes, you can travel the world. And I know you think you need to do that. He says, but from my window at my cabin, looking at the water, I have the world. He goes, you have yeah. the fish, the birds. Yeah. And you know what? I'm sitting here right now feeling my dad sitting with us because it really yeah. is that conversation. And art is that conversation. I mean, I just, I'm just so grateful to your work because, and to what you have to say and your gentle warrior spirit. And, and today with what happened in the U S election, we need more gentle warriors and you are to me that symbol. So thank you for being that symbol to my life. Well, that's a pleasure. As, as you spoke, I, looked at the river because you spoke of the river and I thought yeah the river comes from the mountains and it's called or the all of the moisture from the clouds snow rain sleet fog and it makes the river strong and the river flows to the sea and the sea evaporates to the sky and the waters fall somewhere else so Xian is all over the world. So when your father said the whole world is right there, I know exactly what he's saying. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. When he passed, he was he was very ill, and when he passed, just to do with his jobs and the poisons from the mine, and you know his hard work, and it makes me very emotional too because he just wanted to be a creator. And yeah. he and he never he he would come up with inventions, and he would just and if somebody you know he just he wasn't an educated man he left school at grade nine to support his family, and he was a brilliant writer but his spelling and he would be embarrassed about that, and I'd say Dad your ideas are brilliant and, and I just, I just see him as this man that, it was just everything to me my father was to me a genius, but who had been crippled by the system. You know, he was dyslexic and he felt shame. But when I look back now, the gifts he gives me, and he said when he was dying, he had a vision. And he says, blue eyes, I'm sitting at a table and there is a group of people. And the man to the next left to me has a blue velvet hat. And he says, and his name is Grey Wolf. And he says that we're sitting at the eternal sunrise and that there is a place, he says, and my father, whose name was Charlie, who's a great fisherman wonderful man Czechoslovakian strong funny man and he says blue eyes one day everybody will come to a council he goes and I want you to always remember me there and it's just you know and he says you will be gifted a horse black and white horse well I laughed at my dad and I said dad I'm not gonna have a black and white horse I only have brown horses what are you talking about 
right? A year after my father died, my brown horse had a horse, had a baby, and that horse was black and white. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and you know what? And the horse was a medicine hat horse with the patches. And the, oh, nice. Right, and there's that wonderful story that a medicine hat horse is there to protect you. Yeah. And that horse sits in my yard. His name is Seeger, against the wind, as a gift of a visionary of a man who really didn't understand how great he really was. Uh, yeah. You know, and I there's something actually in your actual face that reminds me of family. There's a, a familiarity to your face. Um, and I, I see like my grandfather had this, my, my dad had French blue eyes and black hair. My grandfather was very dark skinned and um, had these strong features. It's a very interesting thing that I think our ancestors are connected and we've all moved along around this world. How connected yeah. we actually are even locally to each other yeah it's crazy hey really uh it's not crazy <laughs> i i i i'm gonna send you my my uh, my dna okay i have a i have a map of the world and it shows where where my dna comes from in the world i have my sons because my what yes what's the what uh, the, the, I'm so I'm half and half, so half smoked. We always called ourselves. Yeah. So my mother's parents came from Scarborough and Birmingham. Okay. And so I thought I was half English and half uh, Northwest Coast Indian. Right. And it turns out that the European side of me is from mostly Irish, but also from your your ancestors part of the world no way and the iberian peninsula and asia and africa so who knows we may be connected somewhere way back there well we need because my son did ours and that's my connections were it was crazy for what i figured out from my or from his side because he's really interested i mean his dad's irish so we there's some he was much more in the European, Czech, um, that whole, it, it's so concentrated. Oh, we've got to match those because who knows? Like, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? That'd be crazy. And maybe, you know what? Maybe there's, here's the way to look at it. We're all, we're all the human race and maybe the tribe of artists. <laughs> you never know, do you? What if there's a tribe of the, of art, just the art creators, because, you know, if you go right back, the only way we would have evolved is if we could figure out how to make a tool. <laughs> uh, true. True story, right? So if we're out in nature and we're going to kill the woolly mammoth and we're all sitting in this tribe and that person's going, well, I don't know how to make a spear. And we're going, well, if you don't know how to make steer, a spear, you're going to start. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. So, oh my God, I could talk to you forever. So we, I think we should do this again. I think that, um, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Um, yeah, like, thank you is all I can say. Your words and your voice, this generation well, need. It's been a pleasure, Michelle. And yeah, the time flies, doesn't it? I don't even know how long we've been talking here, but. We've been talking for... 
45 minutes, other than the little bit of interruption that the cat stopped the podcast in the middle and I had to restart it. So we'll have to blend that together. And But you know what? I can smell and feel the river. And today, with what happened in our world, I believe the light is in. And I am so grateful for your art and the time you spent with me. And you make a really good cup of coffee. And maybe soon I can actually visit you and have a cup of coffee and see that same view that you see. That would be awesome. So thank you so, so much. All right. All right. You take care. I would like to thank Roy for spending time today on Take It to the Wall. Um, Having digital coffee with Roy was... um, absolutely inspiring. His voice and his storytelling, I mean, there's so much more to hear. So we would love to invite Roy back and he has confirmed he will be back. So we invite you to stay tuned on Art Root Radio, Take It to the Wall, where we take many things to the wall, art, culture, and you might be surprised at what else.